Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Please welcome your hosts, Patrick Allen and Matt Verderam. What's up, addicts? Welcome in. This is the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Verderam, been quite uh, a new year so far. Not going to get into all that mess, but um, you know, yeah. we get to kind of sit back and relax a little bit when it comes to football. The Kansas City Chiefs don't have to play this weekend, which is great. They can heal up. They've got some injuries. We'll get into that in a minute. But I want to talk about something that's near and dear to my heart, uh, which is cereal. I've been a big cereal guy my whole life before we get started here. I, I, uh, I used to, when I was a kid, I used to, um, one night I went to my mom, I was in the evening and I was like, I'm really hungry. Like I have a snack or something. And she was like, yeah, just have a bowl of cereal. And then for like all through junior high and high school, I would have a bowl of cereal in the morning and I'd always have a bowl of cereal right before I went to bed. And my old man was so cheap. He'd never buy like the good cereal. Like my mom didn't want me to have the sugar cereal. Right. And then the old man didn't want to spend money to get like CT crunch and all that, like expensive stuff. It was like $5 a box. So he'd right. always buy me. Like I got, instead of captain crunch, I got King vitamin. You ever hear a King vitamin? No, it sounds oh, it's not good. good. Guy looks like a child molester on the box. Like just super creepy. If you look up, if you look up King vitamin, they used to have an actor who would dress up in like a Halloween costume King thing. Super creepy, um, King vitamin, and then uh, you know stuff like that, like all those like the generic like uh, frosted flakes. If I was lucky to get some sugary cereal, um, wh- what about you? I know you're a cereal guy too. Did you did you get the good shit though when you were growing up? Yes, I did. Um, I Way got go. uh, now. But I remember my dad always making you know the same kind of five dollars a box. Cheese Maryland, come on! But my mother would just be like, "Yo, whatever. I have to live with them." So uh, they get the boxes. Right. No, I, I mean, I was, I definitely got a lot of sugar cereal. Now I don't. Now I'm boring and I, I eat more of an adult. I eat like kicks. But um, I, as a kid, oh, forget it, man. Cinnamon Toast Crunch, Peanut Butter Crunch, Reese's Puffs, Cocoa Puffs, Fruit Loops, Apple Jacks, uh, Lucky Charms, Count Chocula. Uh, you name it, I ate it. Uh, fruity pebbles, cocoa pebbles. So, uh, honeycomb, occasional honeycomb. Yep, occasionally honeycomb. Yeah, that's that. Yep, did have that. Uh, but oh, just huge fan. I probably ate three bowls of cereal every day when I was younger, which was fine until I got so to college good. and stopped moving and then just got fatter and then had to lose it after college. But yes, in, in high school, I worked out or I played so many sports, it didn't matter. I could get like a whole box of cereal, it made zero difference. Uh, yeah. it was a wonderful time. I used to run cross country and like my mom would take me to Dairy Queen. As you know, I'm the Dairy Queen's biggest fan on the face of the planet. You and, are. Uh, <laughs> I actually bought my condo near a Dairy Queen. Uh, and now that we're moving, <laughs> I'm looking, I'm looking at, at potential neighborhoods and there needs to be a Dairy Queen within like, you know, a few blocks, hopefully. Um, and my mom used to take me to, to Dairy Queen and I would get milkshakes because I had just run like eight miles. It's like, who cares? 
you go nuts, go ham. All right, so let's let's do some power rankings. I want your top three cereals of all time. If you can only have three for the rest of your life, let's let's make it that. Not just not just top three, but like if you can only have three. So maybe you want to bring in some yep. variety here. Yeah. Give give me your top three. Number one is Cinnamon Toast Crunch, the absolute goat of all cereals. So good. Uh, the bottom, the the last. The last bowl in every bag is the best because you got all that sugar that falls to the bottom. It's fantastic. So that's right. number one. Then after that, I'm going Cocoa Puffs number two. It's a great cereal. And at the bottom, like when you're done, you got like chocolate milk. So yeah. that's a big winner for me, number two. Then number three is tough. Number three is tough. But I've, I've got to go with Reese's Puffs. Reese's Puffs are terrific. Mm-hmm. Honorable mention to Peanut Butter Crunch and Count Chocula, the most underrated of the cereals. Yes. Uh, but I'll, I'll, take, I'll take those three. I love the Cocoa Puffs pick. I feel like Cocoa Puffs gets overlooked a lot when people have these discussions. It really is. It really is. Uh, I want to give an honorable mention to Frosted Cheerios because that stuff is good. That stuff is really good. Um, I I feel like I, I wanted to put Cookie Crisp on my list, but it's just such an obscene. Like it's not even really cereal. Another good one though, but <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is good. Is good it's just one of those things where they just got crazy and they were like, yeah, let's just throw cupcakes and milk, you know, or yeah, let's just, cookies. yeah, let's just throw cookies in a, in a box. Right. right. Absolutely insane. Okay. So, so my number one peanut butter crunch, absolutely. Oh, fantastic. You, you know what I, a good cereal story here. So I used to sleepwalk. I still do every once in a while, but I don't get very far. Cause I've got a wife who, you know, tells me to get my ass back in bed. Um, but I used to sleepwalk. So, you know, my daddy is a truck driver. He worked midnight shifts. So he'd get up at eight, nine o'clock. Sometimes after I went to bed at 11 midnight and go to work. And we had a box of peanut butter crunch, which I rarely got. As I mentioned earlier, I had a box of peanut butter crunch. So I got up one morning and I go downstairs and the peanut butter crunch is gone. It's empty in the cup. And like (laughs) my dad, like my old man, like he used to like, he'd call us down the street and we were playing with our friends to tell us we had a phone call and we didn't just to screw with us. You know, that's kind of family I grew up in. Um, And, uh, and so I was like, he did this, he did this on purpose. He ate the last of the peanut butter. And I was like, threw a fit to my mom. I'm like, this is crap. I love this year. I never get it. And dad ate it. I go upstairs and sitting next to my bed is an empty cereal bowl and a spoon. And now, you know how sometimes you, you have a dream, <laughs> you know, sometimes you have a dream and like, it doesn't come back to you until later in the day. And you're like, oh, I just yeah. had a dream. So <clears throat> I vaguely started to remember sitting in bed, eating a bowl of peanut butter crunch, probably like three in the morning and feeling so tired and just wanting to finish it so I could go back to sleep. And I was like, oh my God, it was me. I ate the damn cereal. Just a really upsetting story for me to think back on that I didn't get to enjoy that that bowl properly. But also, also, hat tip to Peanut Butter Crunch, getting kids up out of bed in the middle of the night to get some more. They probably they sprinkled on. on there. <laughs> they know what's going so that's that's got to be my I, number one. I enjoy, um, and then we can talk cheese here because I know people are like, by the way, um, first off, thank you for listening to our Head Addict podcast. And mm. if you're listening... You're also a fan of cereal. Leave, leave a review. And what are your power rankings for cereal? What are your yeah. top three? Give us your top three. Tell us where we're right. Tell us where we're wrong. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Um, and we'll have a little fun with that. We'll talk about it on the next pod. But um, 
look, the, the best thing is so before this pandemic happened and ruined everybody's life, mm. we had moved into a new office. When did we move into our new office? I think it was July 2019, 2019. Yeah. Something like okay. that. So July. we got like eight months and then we got kicked out. But um, it was great because it was, first of all, it was an absurd upgrade from our last office. We're all at the top yeah. level of the downtown yeah. building in Chicago. And, but the best part is not the sites and not, not the sight lines and being above a barcade, which is also great, but yeah. it's, it's going in the kitchen and there's like six dispensers, all of different cereals. And I'll tell you what, in this, and I think I talked about this on a podcast recently. So during the pandemic, the best thing that's happened to me is I've lost like 30 pounds. I've gotten down to a weight that I haven't been since, I don't know, since high school, maybe the beginning of college, um, which, is, which is nice because now I don't feel like a complete wreck. But if we go back to the office, I'm gaining it all back because we always Cereal. have all those cereals. We've got, we've got candy. We always like Reese's Pieces and Skittles. And look, I'm the kind of person, every time I go by, I'm like, ah, a little handful. The problem is you go by a dozen times. So in the course of a day, probably 800 calories worth of this stuff. Um, But it's all worth it. I'm happy to get diabetes just to give it one more, one more run. Yeah, that was my fault. Sorry about that. I, uh, I wanted it to be like, I literally said to Mag, when, when they walk into this new office, it's so nice. When they walk into the kitchen, I literally want it to feel like they're walking into Willy Wonka. Uh, no, so it I bought, actually like, pretty much does. <laughs> I specifically bought like colorful cereal, you know, like fruity pebbles and things like that to have in there so that you walked in and you were like, wow, gumdrops and cookies. It was all that. <laughs> uh, it was fun. Um, so, all right. So my number two cereal is, I just said it, fruity pebbles. I absolutely love fruity pebbles. I was more normally a chocolate guy, but later in my cereal career, I got onto fruity pebbles and there's something about the texture of the pebbles that I just absolutely love. So Fruity Pebbles comes in at number two for me after peanut butter crunch. And then number three, and I tweeted about this today at General Mills, and you mentioned it earlier as well, Count freaking Chocula. Yes. Because I'm a big, I love Lucky Charms and you love Cocoa Puffs. This takes like the best of both worlds. True. And now you've got marshmallows and you got chocolate cereal and chocolate milk. And I'm a big horror fan, as you know. So now I got a vampire cereal. I'm just everything I love about life all in one bowl. And this stuff isn't year round. It's a, it's, it's a tragedy. And I tweeted at them and I said, do the right thing, General Mills, and make Count Chocula year round. I think we need to get this campaign going. It's about time they step up. You know, I'll, while we're doing I'll uh, I'll see if they got a Twitter account. I did this once with McDonald's and we literally got McDonald's to come to the office and cater us an entire lunch for nothing. And I got like That's a $250 right. putter out of it. So yep. um, we'll see if Count Chocula, if they'll step up in the same way. Yeah. Yeah. It really should be on, on, on every shelf all year round. Get, get out of this Halloween. I'll just buy two boxes. Why wouldn't you want to sell this great cereal all year round? And I will say, listen, and you said this earlier, we'll get to the cheese here in a minute. I'm sure people are like, when are they going to talk about the cheese? I refuse to apologize about talking to food. This, this is a cheese podcast first. It's a food podcast second. And if you all think that we're going to get through this off season, only talking chiefs, you got another thing coming. We're going to have to find some filler here. So you say, start shooting us ideas, movies, cereal, there'll always be some cheese talk, but you know, we, we got a long way to go here, but before that it's the super bowl and we got to get that taken care of. All right. Yeah. We're going to take our first break on the other side. Uh, we're going to talk about some chiefs news, some injury news. We'll preview the AFC playoffs for you. Um, all the playoffs really. And then we'll, uh, we'll talk a little, we'll hand out some hardware for the season. This is the Arrowhead Attic podcast. 
All right, we are back. Arrowhead Addict Podcast. Talked some cereal. Now let's talk some Chiefs news. A few updates for y'all in this week where we don't have Chiefs football. So as you know, Eric Bieniemy, Chiefs offensive coordinator, should have had a job two, three years ago, is now the bell of the ball when all these teams are looking for a head coaching candidate, as he should be. Um, he's interviewed with every team. What is there, five five teams, five, six openings? He's interviewed with everyone six, but the Texans. Six. six openings. What are the Texans thinking? I mean, look, Nothing. I get it. Like, it's for their usual. Just you've got Deshaun Watson, who's an incredible offensive talent, who who has a, a, a skill set. Very, I mean, nobody has Mahomes' skill set, but if you're looking around a league, Watson fits into that. He can move around with his legs. He can make plays outside the pocket. He's got a good arm. He's, he's yep. an excellent quarterback. And you got a guy who's been working with Patrick Mahomes and a super exciting and dynamic offense that plays to Mahomes' strengths, who's going to be a head coach next year, and you're not bringing him in for an interview. What the hell is wrong with these people? Which, and I, I can tell you firsthand, for a fact, Per a, a league source who's well connected to all this stuff, that the enemy that there's an interest in pairing with John Dorsey and and being able to go somewhere as a package. It's not it's not necessary, but it's an interest. Um, and the two areas of interest for them in a lot of in a lot of respects were Houston and Atlanta. And the Texans were just like, that's all right. <laughs> like the Texans. Would have certainly gotten interest from Eric Bieniemy, um, but literally were just like, "Ah, that's cool. We'll interview Marvin Lewis instead." Like I, I don't know what's going on other than to say that they hired Nick Casario as their general manager, and I can tell you this much from just the lead conversations and reading the tea leaves, and a lot of it, to be honest, is the latter on this part of it. Like Jack Easterby is running the show in Houston in a way that I don't understand how this guy has power there. He literally was a team chaplain in New England. The guy was the priest. And Belichick came out, I think, about a, about a month ago and said in a press conference that he is not a football guy, that he has no background as a football guy, that he's just someone who's in their building. He goes to Houston, gets power. O'Brien leaves as part of this whole power struggle. And then... And then on top of all that, now brings in Casario, who's also a former Patriot, who, by the way, you're going to see a lot of people who are trying to protect sources basically come out and say, yeah, Casario had a huge role in the wing. No, wait. No, wait. And that doesn't mean he's not going to be successful. Maybe it works out. Bill Belichick runs that organization top to bottom. Okay? And if there's any checks and balances, it's to Robert Kraft and Jonathan Kraft, his son. It is right. not to Nick Casario. Nick Casario is not telling Bill Belichick what to do ever. So... He now goes to Houston. So now they've got New England, the sequel in Houston, because O'Brien was from New England. So the McNair ownership group here is just letting this all happen. I, I don't understand it. And I wouldn't be surprised, and I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I would not be surprised if McDaniels ends up being the coach. If they're just like, well, screw it. Might as well go for the Holy Trinity at this point. I mean, look, I don't know. Obviously, McDaniels first – stop as a as a coach was a complete disaster but he has had success as a coordinator you know maybe we all fall down at, at one point maybe, maybe he's going to be a good coach who knows I, you know i could but it seems like the texans are the last nfl franchise to figure out that hey if you just hire somebody because they came from the patriots 
they're not necessarily going to be good. In fact, the track record would seem to indicate that they're not going to be good. And this obsession with the Patriots, when it was Brady and it was Belichick, that's who it was. It wasn't Robert Kraft. He's not some kind of genius. It was right. Like, right. like Romeo Cornell, good coordinator, right? Good, good person having in the building. Charlie Weiss, all those people. But at the end of the day is Brady and it was Belichick. And it was mostly Brady, as we're seeing this year. Belichick's not just a wizard. He can't win with anybody, okay? Um, although you could say it's pretty remarkable that they won seven games with that team because they're not good. But as you mentioned, having the chaplain in charge, on one hand, that's completely preposterous. On the other hand, if you're the Texans, it's probably good to have a man of God around because prayer is just about your only chance of winning anything with these clowns running the show. It's, it's just complete. I to not... It's a fine, you know, if Vietnam is not for you, I, it's okay. You want McDaniels, it's your organization, fine. But to not even talk to him is just unconscionable. It's, ins- oh, it's, it's completely insane. It's like when the Bears drafted Trubisky because he drove like a beat up Volvo to their, right. to their practice facility. And, shit. Right. and Ryan Pace was like, that's the guy. Look at how yeah. gritty he is. It's like, yeah. yeah, that has nothing to do with him throwing a ball on third and nine with the blitz coming. Like, that's great. He drives a Volvo. Who yeah. cares? Yeah. And, I think you know the Texans now. Now you know Deshaun Watson's tweeting out these vague things on Twitter where he's he's clearly not happy. Now there's smoke that he wants to be traded. That team is a mess. And by the way, you know the McDaniel's thing. Yes, it went awful in Denver. It went awful in Denver. Um, and I would also po- pose this part of this that the second Brady left, that offense was the worst offense in the NFL. They were mm-hmm. horrific. It wasn't like McDaniels was like, okay, well, here, I'll keep us afloat. I don't expect top five with that group, but could he have been top 15? Is he going to be a head coach? Like, what has he ever done without Tom Brady? And, by the way, and this is a thing that a lot of people in the league will never forgive him for. Look, he agreed to be the head coach of Indianapolis a few years ago. They had it all set up. They had the press conference set up. He had verbally agreed. He had gotten coaches to leave their posts around the league and be ready to be assistant coaches for him. They quit their jobs. Those jobs were then filled. And then McDaniels backed out at the 11th hour and left all those people without jobs and went back to New England because he thought he was going to be a head coach and waiting. And by the way, he's still waiting. There are a lot of people in the league who will never forgive him for that, who thought it was BS, who thought he left a lot of good people high and dry. So if he's, in my opinion, if he's ever going to get a head coaching job, it's going to be this. It's going to be this situation where it's a bunch of cronies from New England who will just bring their guy in. Because I, I think he's going to have a real rough time winning a job over Biennemi, Robert Sala, Wink Martindale, Brian Dable, Joe Brady. And he should have a hard time winning it over all those people because they're more qualified. Yeah. So that that's where I stand. But Houston, Houston, if run well with Watson, could be the biggest threat to Kansas City in the AFC year after year. But they just can't be bothered. So if you're a Chief fan, be thankful that they stink because they're going to continue to stink. That that's where they are. They don't have a first or second round pick this year, by the way, which would have been a third overall pick. Yeah, their first pick would have been third overall this year. It belongs to Miami. And uh, and when you've got JJ Watt on the field, literally apologizing to his quarterback for wasting one of his seasons. Oh, and by the way, there JJ Watt still got a little bit left in the tank. They're wasting the end of his career as yeah. well. It's just, it's, it's a damn shame. And, and I hope they do. I hope they trade him to the NFC, get him the hell out of the AFC. I don't want him. I don't want to have to face him in the playoffs. If he ever gets a competent coach and a good team around him, cause he's a great player. Let's save that for the Super Bowl. 
But Bieniemy is going to get a job, and I'm really happy for him. It'd be almost insane if one of these teams doesn't hire him, and uh, it's it's a it's a big loss for the Chiefs, but I'm, we're happy for for Eric right. and uh, well deserved. Um, other news on the Chiefs front: Mike Dana to the reserve COVID list this week. He was a close contact. The, the Chief Strength and Conditioning coach came down with uh, with COVID. We don't know if the if, if the coach was the close contact, but it's probably possible. Um, so we don't know that Mike has COVID. If he doesn't, that's a good thing uh, because he's going to come back a lot sooner if he never comes down with the disease. And let's hope that that's the case. But he's on the list. Right. Uh, on the positive side of that, Anthony Hitchens is back in the building. He's come off the COVID list. Just I wanted to touch on COVID. I mean, man, like this is the playoffs. The Browns are having an outbreak. They're not going to have Kevin Stefanski. Their coach has got COVID. The Chiefs, you know, we always talk about how the NFL is a, it's a war of attrition, right? Like if you're healthy in the playoffs, you got the, the Chiefs have just got to get – they've done pretty good this year in general. They haven't had a bad outbreak. But it only takes one person. It right. takes one person to be irresponsible, right. and and then you have a super spreader event. It's not everybody; else. they have to be around each other. They can't they can't just stay six feet apart at all times. They're going to be playing football games. Sure. Well, and and look, the reality of and by the way, he is a high risk close contact uh, according to Phil DH. So what that means is he's got to test negative for five days. Test negative for five days and come back to the facility as long as he's not exhibiting any symptoms. So he if if he remains negative. That should not affect next week. He should be fine, ready to practice, right. good to go. I mean, they won't practice till Wednesday, so they, he should be fine. Um, and you're, you're you're right. Hitchens was back in the building yesterday per his Twitter account, so uh, or or Wednesday, depending on what day you're listening to this. He was back in on Wednesday, so that's great news. The Chiefs desperately need him with Willie Gay having a sprained ankle and everything else. And let's be real, I know some people have mixed opinions on Anthony Hitchens. He's been very good for them this year. He is by a mile their best linebacker. So. That's big. Um, but let's, you know what? Look, I'm not, this isn't a political thing. It's just reality. COVID is getting worse in this country right now, day by day. We had the worst day in the history of the country yesterday. Um, I believe it's over 4,100 people died. So we're in a situation right now where it's skyrocketing. And these guys are not immune to this, even if they're careful. You're around people. It is what it is. You're pumping gas. You're, you know, you got it. You got to go do something. I mean, it, you always run that risk. You know, maybe, maybe your girlfriend gets it, your wife gets it, um, gives it to you. So, look, there's no way around it right now. It, I, I am honestly surprised that the league has not told these teams, why don't you go into a, a bubble in your in your cities during the playoffs? I'm surprised. I am surprised teams haven't just said, you know, what? we're going to go to a, a, a hotel, team hotel. And we're going to ride this thing out. And it sounds like a big lift. But in reality, think about it. If you're the Chiefs, what are you, are you in a hotel for two weeks? So what? Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's not ideal, but like, what the hell? It's very. Can you imagine if, God forbid, like Mahomes got COVID? Their season's over. That's it. Their season is over. They're not winning the game in the playoffs with Chad Henney. Like, in the Browns, you had no Stefanski. They lose Batonio, who's a great guard. I can promise you. You know, I shouldn't say I can promise you. I, I strongly believe there will be a game in the playoffs. Whereas a major, major player cannot go. I mean, Devin, Devin White, who's a very good player for the Bucs, he can't play on Saturday because of COVID. Camaro would not have been able to if the game was on Saturday, but they got lucky the game happened to be on Sunday. Um, it's just, it's a bad situation. It's a bad yeah. situation. And I just, I hate to say this. I think COVID, in a lot of ways, is going to have a big hand in who wins the Super Bowl. 
Yeah. I don't think the NFL is going to be postponing any games. I don't think that's happening. And I hope they lock it down. I just hope the Chiefs lock it down. I, I Obviously, you want them to stay and be able to sleep in their own beds. Do whatever they got to do. They've right. been pretty careful so far this year. But everybody in that building, let the other teams do what they're going to do. You're probably not going to catch it play, playing against another team. It's possible, but it's it's a little less risky. Just lock it down for three, for four weeks. You know, don't anybody go crazy. Just ride it out. And then everybody can get vaccinated and we'll put this crap behind us in the off season. But it's not going to happen for these guys before the Super Bowl. So, you know, like you're at home. You don't have to go anywhere. Hire, I'll volunteer. I'll drive out to Kansas City. I'll go do everybody's grocery shopping for Mahomes. Mahomes needs me to run to CVS. I'll run to CVS, right? I'll leave things on the, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll shower myself in hand sanitizer and leave the stuff on his front porch. Uh, whatever they need to do. I'll volunteer as tribute. Let's just make sure everybody stays healthy and safe until the Super Bowl. Um, okay. Uh, other injury news. Willie Gay has the dreaded high ankle sprain. Um, yeah. That's a bummer. Two to four week recovery window for him. So it's possible we could see him back in the playoffs. Look, they weren't using him that much anyway, but he sure would be a guy in certain situations that you'd like to have available for matchups. So let's hope it's on the more on the two-week side for, for, for Gay and that they can get him back maybe for the AFC Championship game or the Super Bowl. He'll have a lot of weeks. Mitchell Schwartz is, has been reported. The Chiefs are not counting on Mitchell Schwartz to be back for the playoffs. That's pretty much all we know, right? Yes. So that's a bummer. Maybe maybe things get better and we see him. Uh, he's going to be a little rusty, but that's that. it is what it is. Um, they're going to have to prepare without Mitchell. And then <clears throat> Clyde Edwards-Elaire, some good news on that front. It sounds like... They're expecting him to be ready for the playoffs is the, is the buzz going around uh, on Twitter. Running backs coach came out and just flat out said it. Yeah. So that's awesome news because at some point in these playoffs, the Chiefs are going to need to run the ball to win. One of these teams is going to be like Brown and beat us and they're going to need Le'Veon and they're going to need Clyde to deliver like Clyde did against Buffalo. And uh, I, I'll tell you what, if I'm the Bills and I play the Chiefs, I don't know if I'm going to back off like that again because Clyde tore them up in that game. So it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. Um, okay, let's talk about the playoffs. So <sighs> playoffs are set. We've got the wild card matchups this week, and I just want to go through each game and just kind of see where you think, Verderam, these games are going to come down. Saturday, we're going to kick things off with Colts-Bills. We talked a, a little bit about this game earlier on the on a previous podcast you like the Colts a little bit in this game correct yeah I do uh no I'm I'm picking I'm picking the Bills to win I think in my picks column I picked the 23 to 20 but Jonathan Taylor the last seven excuse me last six games their rookie running back 741 yards and seven touchdowns other than Derrick Henry's been the best back in the NFL second half of the season you've got a really good offensive line Defensively, they're very good. They have a bunch of guys up front who can get sacks, including Buckner and Autry, who play inside, who can who can bully their their guards. Like I think, I think this game is a harder game for Buffalo than people think it is. Indianapolis is a weird team because they don't have any one weapon that really scares you in the passing game. They have nine guys who have at least two hundred fifty receiving yards. So. You never know where the ball's going. It's like, well, you know, it would, it, it, if the Chiefs were to play 
Well, I don't know. Let's toss out uh, let's toss out Tennessee. You know the ball on a passing down is probably going to Brown or it's going to Corey Davis. It's not going anywhere else. But the Colts, it could go to nine different guys. Like, right, maybe T.Y. Hilton's a little more likely, but, like, not really. Like, I, they go to tight ends, they can throw to the backs. So I think it makes it a little harder for the Bills. Plus, the Bills are not a good rushing team. Indianapolis is a top-five rush defense. So – if the game, to me, you're going to know early on in this game how it's going to go. If Indy can run the ball, stay ahead of the sticks, keep the short passing game to marry on, on, on a short uh, yardage situation on third down, I think the Colts are going to be in the game because I think they can control the ball. If the Bills can stop the run and it becomes a game where Rivers has to throw 35-plus times, they're going to lose. He's yep. just not built to do it anymore. Weather's going to be good in Buffalo, 31 and sunny. That's not bad in Buffalo, New York in the middle of January. That's a great day. So Colts get a little lucky there. I checked the weather because I thought if it was like five degrees out, that definitely played to Buffalo's strength considering Indy's a dome team. Not going to be the case. So I do think the Bills are the better team. I do think they find a way. But uh, Indianapolis, to me, is a very live underdog in that game. I think if Jonathan Taylor has over 100 yards, the Colts win the game. That's my prediction. I agree with you. I think if Rivers has to throw too much, he's going to throw picks, and then Buffalo's offense is going to get going. But that Colts defense is something else. They're going to be able to slow things down, uh, I think, on Buffalo. All right. I'm really interested to see that one. Next game up, Rams at Seahawks. This is a really interesting game, too, when you talk about the Rams defense is really good. And Russell Wilson's been struggling down the stretch. Who do you think comes out on top in this one? Seattle. Um, I don't trust that Goff is healthy. Even if he plays, he's limited right now in practice. He's got a broken thumb on his throwing hand. That, to me, just screams wobbled, wounded ducks, and John Walford coming in the middle of the second quarter because Goff, give him credit if he plays and he tries. But I just, I think they're going to very, very, very much need to go to a reliever at some point in that game. I, I just don't think Goff can play four quarters like that. And Seattle's offense has struggled the last couple of months. Um but the defense has gotten much better. It's been a complete role reversal. I just think Seattle's good enough to win that game at home. I think Wilson makes enough big plays. Metcalf, even if he just gets one big play on Ramsey, with the way the Rams' offense is right now, it might be enough. So I like Seattle. I think Seattle's a dark horse in the NFC. I think they're very, very talented. And if they put it all together for a few weeks, look out. Uh, but I, I think they win the game. I just don't think the Rams are going to be able to do enough offensively to beat Seattle, especially with Goff playing through what, what really, frankly, is a very significant injury. It's not like it's a, a strain of a hamstring or something. For I mean, you have a broken thumb on your throwing hand. You go break your thumb and try to throw a football with it. Good luck. I don't want to see the Rams' defense in the Super Bowl, so I'm okay with that outcome. Uh, then again, I don't necessarily want to see Russell Wilson either, So, but I don't think he'll make it. Um, okay, Bucks at football team is the nightcap on Saturday. Uh, obviously, Washington making the playoffs with Alex Smith. Alex Smith is going to start a playoff game. Absolutely incredible. Just the best story. You got to figure they're going to make this into a movie, right? Who's going to play Alex Smith? Alex Smith, maybe. Good good looking individual. <laughs> he is a good him. looking guy. He is a good uh, looking guy. Very Ryan jealous. Gosling. Gosling. Bradley Cooper. Yeah, I, I think it's cool the way you got to go, Smith. right? Yeah. But I mean, uh, Smith has the looks for it. Man's got the chops. I, I think... Yeah. Uh, Hey, you know what? It is a great story. I do not think they're going to win. I don't. But I think it's a great story. Um, 
to me, the only way Tampa loses this game is if they if the, if Washington forces a bunch of turnovers and they get short fields and they can capitalize because the offense just can't score. McLaurin right. is an excellent young receiver. Gibson's a fun young rookie running back. But the rest of that offense is just god awful. These cannot move in football. And Tampa has a decent defense. So I, I think it's a tough spot if you're Tampa Bay, uh, or excuse me, if you're Washington to beat Tampa Bay. For the Bucks, the whole name of the game is get the ball quick. Don't let Brady be under a ton of duress. You do that, you win. I, I think they'll I think they'll be just fine. I, I really do. I know people have talked about, well, you know, Washington gets a pass rush. Yeah, but that's about it. That's that's all they can do. So, look, I'll be very blunt. I also want to see Brady, Wilson, and Breeze win this weekend because that means they join Rodgers in the divisional round. You have four first ballot Hall of Fame quarterbacks going against each other in the NFC divisionals. I'm I'm all for it. I want to see it. Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. I think um, I think Washington can beat Tampa. Tampa's shown themselves to be vulnerable and, and to lay out some duds, but. Uh, Washington needs to be able to run the ball to win and the Bucs have a strong run defense. And I think that's going to be the X factor in this one. I do think they could give Brady some trouble because their defense is really strong, but I agree with you. I think the Bucs pull it out late when the Washington defense runs out of gas. All right, we're going to take our last break on the other side. We'll preview the games on Sunday and hand out some hardware to the chiefs players for their season work. All right, we are back. All right, let's talk about playoff games on Sunday. Kicking things off, I'm really excited about this game. Ravens at Titans, part two. Whew, boy, I mean, it's just a charged matchup in a number of different ways. Who do you see coming out on top, Verderan? I think this is the hardest game to predict. I really do. I To me, it's a genuine toss-up. The line, I, last I checked, the Ravens on the road were favored by three points. I was surprised by that. I thought it might be a pick. Um, it is not. And it's three and a half, by the way. It's up to three and a half. I I think the Titans are going to win, but I'm taking that with a bullet. I don't have a lot of conviction. Of any of them, it's my it's the one I'm least confident about. I just – the Titans have a horrible pass rush, like the worst in the league, but it doesn't matter against Baltimore because Baltimore doesn't throw the ball. Like, who, who cares? Right? Like, it doesn't – you don't worry about rushing Lamar Jackson. You worry about containing him and making him throw the football. And Tennessee actually might be good at that because they, they can't get a pass rush. So you factor that part of it in. Then I also look at, okay, well, they're the worst third down defense in the NFL. And that's where the game to me turns. If they can control the running game on first and second down Baltimore, and they get them into third and long, or third and even medium, which for Baltimore is third and long, then I think the Titans are going to win. If the Ravens are constantly third and one, third and two, then I think then I think Baltimore wins. But I like Tennessee. Baltimore's defense has not been great this year. You look at the last four or five weeks, you say, oh, they've been really good. Now, well, they played nobody. The last real team they played was Cleveland, who hung, what, 42 on them, something like that. So Baltimore's defense has been suspect at times this year. I think Tennessee wins. I think it's close. And uh, by my picks – not to give away the Pittsburgh-Cleveland pick, but I, I think that's who's going to be playing Kansas City. He's the winner of that game. Winner of Ravens-Titans? Yes. Yep. Could be the Colts. Could be the Colts, but I, I think it's the winner of the Ravens and the Titans. Yeah, I'm just going to – I don't even get to try to think too hard about this one. You've got a couple of great players with Jackson and Derrick Henry. Tannehill's been playing. I'm really – by the way, I'm really happy for Ryan Tannehill. He's uh falls into that Alex Smith category of people that got left for dead 
and then found new life at a, at a new team. And I think it's pretty awesome uh, for him. People love to trash these quarterbacks when they get drafted high, like it's their fault when they don't work out. And a lot of times I feel like it's these teams that ruin these guys because they use them incorrectly. They keep changing coaches, changing offensive coordinators. They don't scheme around what these guys do well. I mean, look at Baker Mayfield this year. Does he, is he lighten it up? Absolutely not. Did Kevin Stefanski come in and say, okay, I know what this guy does well. I know what the strengths of my team is, are, and I'm going to win I'm going to win games in a really tough division and take my team to the playoffs. That's what he did. It's pretty, uh, pretty interesting. All right, let's talk Bears Saints. Bears at Saints. Bears back into the playoffs. Um, Mitchell Trubisky back under center. Saints, very good all year. Do the Bears have a, a prayer in this game? Yeah, they have a prayer. Look, I think 10 points, which is the spread, is way too high. Um, the Saints, Breeze is not good in the three games he's been back. Obviously, we saw him up close and personal, and the one game was atrocious. And he was not good against Minnesota, and he was not good against Carolina. So I do worry about the Saints here as a 10-point favorite. Now, I do think they're going to win. The Bears just have no offense, and that's why I think they'll lose. I just think the Saints' defense is so good on all three levels that they're going to cause problems for Trubisky. They're probably going to cause a few turnovers, and that'll be the game. But I, I don't think it's a blowout. Because I don't think the Saints are going to run up a ton of points on the Bears either. I think it's like a five-point game, you know, four to six points somewhere in there. I, I just, I do think the Saints win. I do think that it, of the three NFC games, that's the one I had the most conviction about. But I, um, I don't think it's a pretty game. I think it's an ugly game. How much would you love to see uh, <laughs> an eventual playoff showdown between the Bears and Washington? Get a goal fashioned nine to six, four-quarter ball game. I will call in sick. <laughs> I, I cannot. I, I cannot watch that game and have any self respect. It, it just does go to show if you've got a defense in the NFL, man. You like the Bears just won a bunch of games that they just shouldn't have won this year, right? Like they beat Tampa. I just, it just they got you got a defense, you got a chance uh, in some of these games. So it'll it'll be don't don't count. You know it's the old the old adage: defense wins championships, which you know is. It's not really true. You need to score points to win championships, especially these days. Things have changed. But still, look, look at the 49ers last year. I mean, if they had, I don't know, somebody better at quarterback, you think the Chiefs win that Super Bowl? If they've got Russell Wilson on and that defense, do the Chiefs win the Super Bowl? With the 49ers, if they had that guy? Yeah. No, I I know. Yeah. I, I think the Chiefs would have lost. Yeah. Yeah, that defense was playing incredible. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I, I I think you might be right. I could see the Bears sneaking up on the Saints. Get Breeze to throw a couple picks, get their running game going. David Montgomery's really come on. Good back. Play great. Look out. Look out. It's the play action going for Mitch. Make things easy for him. All right, last game, Sunday night football. Browns, Steelers. The Browns will be without their coach. In this game, man, like it's just hard to see. The Steelers have not been playing well. The Browns are, are a trendy upset pick here. Yep. If the Steelers let them come in and do what they want to do, which is run the football. But if they don't, I just don't see how the Browns win this game. They're just not strong enough on defense. Yeah, I, I just – look, losing Stefanski is a huge deal. Like, you lose your head coach. He's a play caller for them too. It's not just – it's not just, oh, well – our head coach isn't here, but we have our, our play caller on the, on the offensive side and there and our defense is good to go. It doesn't affect their defense very much, but it's going to heavily impact their offense. He's the play caller. So yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a tremendous loss. Um, 
Alex Van Pelt's going to take over the play calling duties, their offensive coordinator, but he's never called plays. And the other part of that too is, you know, you start losing an idea of who's in charge of what in the heat of the moment, how, how you're going to play game strategy, how you're going to call your timeouts. That stuff all matters. Um, and in a playoff game where the Browns haven't been in two decades, not having him is just crushing. I also I, a weird little fun fact. This is the this is the third playoff game in a row for Cleveland. It's been at Pittsburgh. Ninety four divisionals, yep. two thousand two wild card. Now this game, all in, all in Pittsburgh. Their last playoff game against Pittsburgh was a shootout with Kelly Holcomb at quarterback. So don't it count was. the Browns out. They maybe they can find a little magic. They had no business being in that game either. Uh, in fact, they should have won that game. Somebody dropped a pass, as I recall. It was a long time ago. But uh, Yes. Um, oh, God, I can see it. I actually can see it. Uh, I, I want to say it was Northcutt, but I could be wrong. Uh, yeah. It could have been Johnson. But ball but, was in his hands, and, and that would have iced, they would have been able to ice the game, yeah. I believe, and then Steelers came back. But, so, uh, listen, I, I think the Steelers will win for the record. I do. I think it's like a 10-point game. All right. Let's get to some hardware for the season. Um, let's start with the MVP. I'll just kick us off. MVP for me, really considered Kelsey, but just got to give it to Mahomes. He's been absolutely incredible season. Very close to, to putting together an NFL MVP season this year. He's got to be the MVP of the Chiefs. What, what else can you say about the guy? He's he's incredible. He makes things happen. He put them on a lot of key drives late in games to put things away when things were closer than they should have been. It's Patrick Mahomes. How about you, Vertera? Yeah, I mean, you said all of it. I don't even have to. I just echo it. Yeah. Mahomes. Mahomes is without him. They, they are an average team, even though they're very good around. I mean, they're, they're just, and by average, I mean, they'd probably be a playoff team. Like if they had an average quarterback, they would be a playoff team, but they would be the team they were with Alex Smith. He makes them yep. the super contender that they are. All right. I suspect we'll both go the same way here, but offensive player of the year for you. Kelsey has to be Kelsey Slam had down. an unbelievable season. Um, I really think if they win the Super Bowl this year, and I, he, oh, he's a Hall of Famer if he retires tonight, but if he wins the Super Bowl, they win the Super Bowl this year, you're going to start hearing a lot of talk about how he's the greatest tight end of all time. And I don't think that that's beyond the pale. I think that's a very real conversation. Yeah, he's been absolutely outrageous. Finished the season second in receiving yards and probably only because he didn't play the last week of the season. Same thing for Mahomes. Finished behind Deshaun Watson in passing yards probably would have been number one had they played week 17, but thank goodness they didn't. When you see some of these injuries that happen. All right. Defensive player of the year. Who you got? I got to go with, with Tyron Matthew. Um, and you could make a very easy argument for Chris Jones. I'm going to go with Matthew because six picks. He really feels like the quarterback of the defense at all times. He's the emotional leader. He's the leader on the field. Um, I feel like the strongest part of their defense is their secondary, and he spearheads it. So, uh, to me, Tyron Matthew is everything for that team. You know, he had that injury going into the Miami game, played through it, played great, had a pick. Uh, he's, he's my choice. I'm with you. We're three for three. Same decision, Tyron Matthew. The interception's so big, but even bigger than that, as you said, what he brings to the team, to the spirit of this team – is huge, and I think it's going to be even more important in the playoffs. He's my defensive player of the year, and this one could be interesting. Let's see where you go. I think I have a hunch who you'll pick. Rookie of the year, Sneed. Well, Jerry Sneed. Sneed. Yeah. Um, Edwards Alaire was was good, and, and I've seen a lot of people like upset with the way Alaire played. The guy had over a thousand yards 
of total offense as a rookie. He was fine. He was fine. Um, but Sneed's my guy. I thought I I thought Lejarius Sneed was phenomenal this year. Like not even for a rookie, just in general, he was phenomenal. Um, I think Pro Football Focus, which I take umbrage with them at times, but they had him when he was targeted as having like the third best passer rating in the league or third lowest, however you want to look at it. Um, he is, I believe, going to be a shutdown corner for them. Like the kind of guy that you're just going to leave him on an island and go, okay, Lecharis, you do whatever you got to do. We'll, we'll, we'll cover everybody else and rotate that way. Um, he was exceptional. And I know he missed some time with the broken collarbone, but when he played, to me, he was one of the best couple of players on that defense. So I, I have to give it to him. I really considered that. I, I had a feeling all of our picks would be the same. So I went contrarian here and gave it to Clyde Edwards-Elair. Um, up until the end there, he was there all season. So got a little bit more run than Legarius. And as you said, over a thousand all-purpose yards. He's, you know, c- could you say, is he, could you have gotten the same production out of Damian Williams? Yeah, Probably. But I think you see the talent with Elaire that he's going to be in the future a really big problem for for teams. Um, and uh, yeah, a thousand yards from a rookie contributing to the offense—not bad. I'll take it. So I'll give him my Rookie of the Year award. And and obviously, Sneed's absolutely incredible. And the two of those uh, players will be the picks that we look back. I think on this class and be like, "Damn, way to go, Brett Veach." Uh, yeah, it's pretty good class. And I think look, we haven't even seen Lucas Niang yet, who they're really high on. Um, no, it's a, it's a nice class. They did a really good job. All right. I think that's all we've got for today. Any parting shot you want to leave with the Chiefs kingdom out there, Verderam, as they head into a, a week where they – how should how should Chiefs fans watch football this weekend? Just enjoy it. Just enjoy it. I mean, I think that's really it. Like – you know, everybody's got their rooting interest, I'm sure. You know, maybe you want to see the Chiefs play a certain team and have it break that way. I'd really say this. I don't care who the Chiefs play. If the Chiefs play well, they're going to beat them. It, it doesn't matter. Uh, I mean, if you'd rather see the Chiefs play a team that's good offensively, bad defensively, then you're probably looking at the Titans. You're looking at the Browns. If you, if you want to see the reverse of that, you want the Colts or the Ravens. I personally don't care. Bring any of them in. Because if Kansas City doesn't play well, they can lose to any of them. And if they play well, they're going to beat any of them. And, and I, I won't even go as far as the Chiefs to play a really good game. If the Chiefs just play a good, competent game, they're beating any of those teams. They're just too good. I, I will say, we've heard for the last two weeks, and we're going to hear for another week, about how the Chiefs, you know, they, they win these close games. Are they, still, are, they, are, they, are they still the best team? I think I like Buffalo. I think I like Baltimore. I think I'm telling you right now. They're the best team, not biasly, not not because I'm a chief, but because of my, I I watch the league for a living. It's what I do. They are the best team. If they play well, they are going to win. And frankly, I think, and this is obviously just a hunch, I think they're going to demolish whoever they play in the divisional round. They've had to hear this for three weeks of it. Well, you know, are they really that this? Are they really that? I, I think they are going to lay it on whoever they see in the divisional round. I do. Um, healthy, rested, pissed off. Travis Kelsey went on Shannon Sharp's podcast 
um, a week ago. And Sharp asked him, what is the biggest thing that's been difficult for you during this season of trying to repeat? And he said, trying to keep patient because all we've wanted to do is get to the playoffs. Well, they're here now. And I expect them to play like they've been waiting for it for four plus months. Yeah. Uh, weird things can happen in the playoffs. You got to keep your head screwed on straight, but I, I agree, man. I think they're, I think they're a sleeping giant and we've seen flashes of it throughout the course of the season. Like when they went down to Tampa Bay and they just looked incredible against Houston to start off the season, the difference between the team this year and the team last year is the team this year already knows they can win the Super Bowl. And it's not so much about having something to prove uh, as it is just showing everybody that they're still the top dog. And that's what teams are going to have to contend with. Whoever comes in to Arrowhead Stadium in two weeks is going to have to contend with a team that is well-rested, well-prepared, and more talented than them and has a better coach. So to your point, no excuse for them to lose unless they just go out there and completely lay an egg, which we've seen happen in the playoffs to it teams. Remember happen. when Peyton Manning and the Broncos stormed through the whole league and then they got to the they got a safety like immediately and got smacked in the playoffs by the Seahawks? It's it's not a best of seven in the NFL. It is a best of sixty. Can you win the game? And that's why, you know. Look, everybody, you know, right now there's like this Twitter video surfacing of the Bills dancing around at practice and like Ian Rapport's like, oh, the Bills are going to win by a million. Those, look, none, none of that crap matters. None of that crap matters one way or the other. Okay. Because, you know, all it takes is you get into a game and you fumble the ball or a pass gets tipped at the line of scrimmage and run back for a touchdown. That stuff happens all the time. Go back and look at every year in the playoffs. I guarantee you one or two games every single year, some team loses that they never should have lost. And if you're a Chiefs fan, my God, you can think of a million in our history. Like, it just happens. Now, Mahomes and that offense gives you a much bigger margin for error. It just They do. Um, but it does happen. And all these teams in Asia are good teams. There's no frauds in this group. They're good teams. So, look, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's, it's, it's smart to say, ah, it doesn't matter. We'll be fine. It's, look, I do think the Chiefs are going to destroy who they play in the division round. I do. I think for a variety of reasons. They're just going to be healthy. They're at home. They're going to be hearing this for weeks. But I'm also not stupid. Just because I think that, it does, it's not some, some blind guarantee. Like, they could get into a game where, you know what, a couple balls get, get batted up in the air, picked off. They give up a, a kick. Return for a touchdown. That stuff happens, but to me, that's how the team, somebody's going to have to beat the Chiefs. That's that's going to have to be the path. There's not a team in the league that's outplaying the Chiefs at their best. They're just not, including Buffalo. Nobody is going in there and outplaying Kansas City straight up. But you know, look, everybody this weekend, right? We just sat here and talked about these games, and we both were like, yeah, chalk. We're both going to be wrong. Some right. team is going to. It's going to happen. Some team's going to win a game this weekend. You're like, wow. I mean, look at last year in the wild card round. Everybody thought the Saints were going to absolutely destroy Minnesota. Nope. Didn't happen. Kirk Cousins dancing in the locker room after the game. Like, it's just, you don't know. Look at look at Tennessee and Baltimore. There wasn't a person yep. in the world who thought Tennessee was going to win that game. And Tennessee didn't only beat them. They killed them. So, it happens. It's football. But I, if you're a Chiefs fan, look, 
All you can ask for is when you go into a game, If I always ask myself, if these two teams play their best, who wins? If you ask yourself that with the Chiefs, they win every game against every team in the league. You can't ask for more than that. You sure can't. And nobody thought that the Titans were going to beat the Patriots either, and they did. I was pleasantly surprised. I was I was sitting in my hotel room in Kansas City because I went to the Houston game, which was an experience, let me tell you. Um, I've never seen it was like it was like uh, I, I likened it to if you were at a funeral and halfway through the funeral, all of a sudden the corpse jumped up out of the casket and was like, "Surprise, I'm alive!" That's that's what it was like. It was like being at a mass funeral at Arrowhead Stadium. And everybody was like, oh, my God. And then by the time you got to halftime, there was this excited buzz. And people were like, oh, my God, I can't believe this. I can't believe this. I can't believe we're back in this game. We're actually going to win this game. It was incredible. What a game to be at. I remember texting someone with the Chiefs right after that game, like right after it. I was like, when did you know you were going to win? And they were like, the second O'Brien faked that punt, everybody in our box just started celebrating. <laughs> I <was> like, <laughs> yeah. And God, I thought thanks, of it, I'm like, it's 24 to 7. You know? Yeah. Should the Chiefs send Bellow a ring? Oh, uh, no question. No question. <laughs> Could you imagine? Well, That'd Brian did more for them than half the guys in the team. That <laughs> would be the greatest I, troll of all time. Bill O'Brien's I mean, at home getting his paper. Yeah, you got a package, sir. You need to sign for this Super one. Super Bowl ring. <laughs> it's your Super yeah. Bowl ring. I mean, oh, no question. No question. Send them, send them a ring where it's got 24 diamonds on one side and none on the other. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but you know what? I love it. You were at that game. I was down there in Miami covering the Super Bowl for us. And I'll tell you, the hardest thing I've ever had to do is be professional in the press box during that game. Yeah. Is there anyone who's unaware, you cannot cheer. You cannot show any kind of emotion. And I didn't. I was really – and I give, her, I give her a lot of credit. Ashley Young, who is our, our great social media director at Fansided, was with me for the game. And she's sitting to my right, and you know she she's a big Philadelphia Eagles fan, so she loves Andy Reid, and she's rooting for the Chiefs, partially I'm sure for myself, but also for Andy. And the whole game, I'm sitting there, and I'm not doing anything other than just you know putting some notes for a column, whatever. And then they, Damon Williams at the end of the game when he broke left and he's right from my angle, I was in the end zone on the opposite side, so I could see what he was seeing, and I could see that Jimmy Ward had a bad angle, and I knew he was going to score. And poor Ashley sitting there doing her job. And I just like grabbed her by her forearm. I was like, oh my God, they're actually going to win. And I, she, <laughs> I think I started, she was busted out laughing. And I, I FaceTimed my dad very quietly. I didn't even say anything. I just kind of gave a thumbs up and shut the phone off. But yeah, it was, uh, that was the hardest thing. But it was, it was yeah. worth having to stifle my emotion to be there. I was right above the entire chief section of the crowd. The loudest it got in that game was not the Wasp play. It was not the end of the game touchdown. It was when they came out and said that the go-ahead touchdown stood. Yeah. Because everybody's looking up at these jumbotrons. You're trying to, did he get the ball over the goal line? Did he not? And when Vinovich came out, it was like, yeah, the call on the field stands. The, like, the actual press box started to shake. I mean, it was People were just going insane, including – our friend and founder of the company, Zach Best, who was down there with his uh, his dad and a few other people, I got to meet great guy. But it was it was unreal. I remember like we yeah. had to walk out of the stadium to go around to had a, a, a tent set up, believe it or not, in the parking lot, which is where some of the players came out. And I was down there right after the game talking to Chris Jones and Tyreek Hill and and others, uh, Andy Reid for for I don't know 20, 30 minutes after the game about you know just their experience. And we're walking out. 
and people are just going crazy because we had to walk through some of the fans, right? So they're yeah, just, you know, yeah. Chiefs, Chiefs. Like, yeah, it was, <laughs> it was unbelievable. I, I worked uh, that morning until 4 a.m. And after the day, day was over, we went back to the hotel and I sat down and I had a glass of rum and Coke and I had a cigar and I just sat there. And then it, four hours later, I was back up going to, uh, <laughs> going to, Going to going home, going to the Miami airport. I was banged up. I was yeah, I, I was in rough shape after that experience, but it was worth every second. When they hit Wasp, I always imagine that you are you're that meme of that guy who's like in the classroom and like the veins are popping out of his head and he's like <laughs> yeah. straining. That that's you and because I had started I had started cleaning up, you know, like it was just Mag and I didn't want to have a party. And I just, I had started like doing the dishes and stuff like during the commercials. And I came and I sat down next to her on the couch, left my chair and she was like rubbing the back of my neck. And she was like, it's all right, sweetheart. I'm sorry. And I was like, eh, credit the 49. Like I was like, it's, they're done. They're not good. They're down two scores. There's seven minutes left. They can't move the ball. And then when they hit, it, it was like, I just didn't, I, I knew that they were possibly like, capable of coming back but like i just i i was like they're just it's, it's too much mahomes seven is worst game as a chief and then all of a sudden when they hit wasp i like sat up and i was like it snapped me out of it you know and i was like hold on there's they're about to go in and score and then it's a one score game and they've got time they, they're totally in this game it's yep. it's amazing how that happens right that one it play was, no hey man i was with you i mean i i actually remember I was looking at the ribbon board across the way when uh, Mahomes got his ball picked off for the second time in that game. And I think there's like 12 and change left. And I actually thought to myself, I just want this time to tick off because I don't want to watch the time celebrate. And I don't want to have to go down to their locker room after this game and, and listen, I just, I don't want to deal with it. You know, you know, what have obviously I had to for my job, but I didn't want to. And Wasp really, all of a sudden that happens. You're like, all right, seven minutes left. Me, maybe you know. And they scored. My my dad texted me during the TV timeout, and he was like, "If they get a three and out here, they're gonna win." And I was like, "Yeah, but if you know, I'm thinking to myself again, but they haven't stopped the night. Like the Niners had not punted the ball to that point in the game. Three and out, and and at that point, I can tell you, I remember when they stopped them on third down. That was the play where Neiman just crushed Garoppolo. And the, and I had the I had the ultimate angle of being above the field so I could see everything. The Niners sideline looked so dead, and the Chiefs sideline was going crazy. I mean, if you go back and look, I don't know if you see it in the all twenty two film or not. I've never tried to look at it. I would venture thirty guys came off the sideline going crazy to meet the defense when they got that three and nine. You could just feel in that building at that point, everything shifting. Everything at that, it almost felt like the Niners knew they did everything they could possibly do to beat them. And then the Chiefs are getting the ball back down three. And it's just, you know, and then the Watkins catch that really now you're like, all right, they're going to score. I mean, they're, they're going in. The Niners can't stop them. Then, of course, the, the rolling at the goal line. And I'll tell you, though, it'll get forgotten in history unless you're a Chiefs or a Niners fan. That missed roll by Garoppolo at the end of the game. Oh, God. He, when he threw that ball, he threw that ball right at me. You know, I, I could see that ball in the air, and I looked down, and I saw, <laughs> I saw Emmanuel Sanders and thought some very bad words. I was like, oh, my God. 
And then I looked back over the ball and thankfully it was like a split second thing. I saw the trajectory and I realized pretty much immediately it overthrown him. But for a half millisecond, I was like, oh my God, he's going to hit him. He's wide open. Thankfully, Garoppolo stinks and he overthrow him. And, you know, what happened happened. Oh, it was, yes. it was a heart attack, but it felt like that's the way that she's had to do it. It wasn't going to be easy. Send Jimmy G a ring as well. Um, oh, no question. Yeah. Yeah, for that. Can you believe Emmanuel Sanders is sitting there thinking to himself, I could have been the hero of all time in this game and the dude overthrew me? That's rough. Should have been thinking to himself, you know, I should have just signed with the Chiefs. Should have signed with the Chiefs. That's what you get. All right, everybody, we're going to let you get out of here. We will not be back this weekend because there's no Chiefs game to talk about. But right. we'll, we'll take a look at the schedule. I don't know exactly when, but I think we'll probably record a little bit earlier next week so we can set up the matchup for you. And, and we're, we're not going to probably do a, a Thursday podcast next, next week, maybe a Tuesday, get you ready for the Chiefs matchup. Um, we don't know when they're playing on the weekend, Saturday or Sunday. Right. That'll be determined this weekend. So yeah. my guess, I'm going to guess Sunday early window, but I could be wrong. So we'll see. Yeah, we will see. Uh, but this weekend, take a deep breath, have a nice beverage, smoke a cigar if you do. And just sit back and watch the games. Do you want to scout? Scout who the Chiefs might be playing, but just enjoy the action and know that half the playoff field, the playoff field will get cut in half, those that are playing this weekend, and the Chiefs don't even have to do anything. That's great. They're going to get healthy, and uh, they'll be ready for whoever comes to Arrowhead. Thank you all for listening. Please head on over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a written review over there. We will answer them on the podcast. Um, And, uh, yeah. Follow us on Twitter. I'm at, at R. Patrick Allen. He's at, at Matt Verderan. Make sure you follow Arrowhead Addicts lead contributor at Matt Connor AA. Of course, follow at Arrowhead Addict all this week, all next week, so you know what the hell is going on and you'll be ready for the game. Start planning your, uh, your at home tailgate or your actual tailgate if you're going to the stadium. And we will see you early next week to preview the Chiefs divisional playoff round. We're three wins away, everybody, from going back to back. Let's get it. Thank you for listening. And as always, go Chiefs. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.